0: Welcome back to the Business of Living podcast, where we are keenly aware that we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. In fact, we don't even know if we have the rest of today. Life is short. If there's something you want to go after, go for it. The time to live fully is now. We don't live for someday, we don't sit on our hands and wait for someday to come around. We want to engage with life right now. And today, I'm very excited to have my good friend, Roger Whitney, on the show with me. He is an award-winning podcaster, the host of the Retirement Answer Man podcast, creator of the Rock Retirement Club, certified financial planner for over 25 years, with an amazing tagline, live well today without sacrificing tomorrow Welcome, Roger Whitney great to have you with us. You know
1: what today is, right? What? Today is the day.
0: <laughs> Today's the day.
1: Day is the day. I say that
0: every morning. Oh I love that. You have to let that one sit for a minute before it fully sinks in. The day is the day. Today is the day. Oh well, it fits your theme, right? It certainly does. I have to ask you something though before we get started here. What is huzzah? Where did that whole thing come from? I actually got an email
1: about that from a, a listener the other day. Huzzah! You have to say it like that. Huzzah! It's a exclamation. Uh, I don't know where it came from, but I learned it when I was going through the tour of the Boston Tea Party. And the rebels jumped on the ship and tossed the tea over and they yelled huzzah! <laughs> and I was like, that's a cool word. And so it was used in olden times as an exclamation. So it's yeah. you have to
0: say it that way. I saw it somewhere on, I think on your website, and I said it yesterday in my kitchen. And my kids said, oh, yeah, that's what knights say when they're fighting. It's like, knights say this? I got to ask Roger. What it's even was older often. than. It's even older than I thought. Yeah, it's an exclamation. It sort of sees the day. It's one of yeah. those... Yeah, you can't just sort of say huzzah. That's getting added into my vocabulary for sure. Roger, before we dig into some of the questions here, what do you like to do for fun? Where, where do you live when you aren't working? I know work is fun for you, but when you're not working, what do you do? Uh, top two things
1: are golf with my wife. We golf about once a week. Uh, we, we used to golf when we were dating in college. And then we stopped for 20 years because we liked it so much. Uh, and, and then we started about three years ago. So we golf at least once a week together. And it's like our together time of just hanging out, riding around the car. And we're fairly competitive, too, in, in a healthy way. But we're very close, so we'll bounce back and forth. She's a good golfer. Um, and then number two, I like to mountain bike. I like to be outside. and I'm not myself if I'm not mountain biking or doing something adventurous and I, I get to be fussy
0: baby as my wife says when I'm not myself. I, I knew you liked biking but I wasn't clear on the kind of biking that you love. I love mountain biking. We need to do that together next time we get together. Oh I'd love to
1: come to Buffalo and do that. Yeah because I've been in a lot of places Moab and I've done some adventure racing and I'm right now I'm working on building stamina because we're going to Colorado for six weeks at the end of July because I'll be able to ride to the mountain right from my house that we're renting oh wow yeah we'll have to do that
0: that. yeah that sounds good we'll take a mountain bike over the Niagara Falls and have a parachute on our back then float down to safety that's that could be a good adventure I've done both of those I've mountain biked and parachuted so that I can put them together (laughs) (laughs) nice okay well I could just hang out with you and joke all day, and that would be fun. And I think it would be an enjoyable conversation. But I want to ask you a little bit about your perspective, because we talk all about going all in on life and living for today and not missing opportunities and um, living life to the fullest, being fully alive. But there's also wisdom in thinking about the future and 10, 20 years down the road 30 years down the road and preparing for that. I mean, that's what you're in is, is preparing for a good life and you're the retirement answer, man. So how can we make sense? Or can we start a conversation just around that tension between living life now going all in, but at the same time, thinking about the future. There is a huge tension there, isn't there?
1: Yeah. Um, Uh, And I am a quote-unquote money man. That's pretty much what I've done. It's actually like 30 years now. I'm 55. Whoa. Uh, After 25, it's just over 25 years, is all you say. But um, there is a tension there. So everybody thinks about it from the money perspective when we're thinking about retirement and growing. Uh, And it definitely is about money. Money is fuel for certain things in your life. But I think we should start off with a quote from a guy named Phil Stutz. And he said, we will never be exonerated from pain, uncertainty, or the need to do hard work. And I think that's a good foundation to realize that there is no solution. We're always going to have uncertainty. We're always going to have pain, and we're always going to have to work the system, work the process.
0: Roger, not- you're, cr- you're crushing <laughs> my dreams here. <laughs> this is, I mean, that's my agenda in life is to avoid pain <laughs> and avoid uncertainty <laughs> and to not have to work.
1: <laughs> well, I think if you, the problem is if we think that we can be exonerated from those with finding the thing, yeah. Um, we're going to go down lots of rabbit holes and believe lots of things that really aren't going to give us that. They're false gods in a sense. Mm -hmm. So I think it's good to start with that is that this is what life is and it's a great life, but we're always going to have elements of those things, right?
0: Yeah. And that's a good quote. It, It adds some depth to this adventurous side or this desire to go live life, right? Cause anyone can feel that, Oh, I'm going to go out and live and do something crazy. And then, then there's no foundation underneath that. And you fizzle out and you end up in a worse place than you did when you started. So that quote is helpful for me. and I'm letting it sink in just as I hear it. And if we
1: accept those things, then it becomes less about trying to figure it all out and more about how do I build a structure for myself to navigate my life and iterate. That's why you know, our firm is Agile Retirement Management. We use Agile Project Management to have intentional decision-making so we can manage things as, un- as life unfolds. And so you had started, Michael, talking about this tension between, hey, I want to have an amazing life today. I still want to have a good life when I'm 80, right? And if you think of all of those people between your age now and 80, you know, Michael, how old do you, Michael, remind me? 43. Ah, uh, 40. Michael at 43, and then there's Michael at 50, Michael at 51, Michael at 60, Michael at 70. You are actually a community of Michaels. Hmm. So when you're thinking about this balance between today and tomorrow, you want to make decisions for Michael at 43, but you also want to make decisions for Michael at 70. Because he's he's part of your community. You got to make sure that dude's okay, right? And you want that dude to like the 43-year-old dude. Uh, if you don't, that's regret, right? You know, that's actually a good challenging question when you're facing a decision is what would my 70 year old self be happy that I did? Yeah, that's actually a good question to look back at Michael looking backwards. Oh, I'm so glad that Michael did that at this time, Mm. right? Built that house that you just moved into and created the environment for your family. I'm glad Michael didn't work so hard. You want to have those kind of discussions and realize there is a balance there. Mm. And, You know, like with any virtue, there's excesses on both sides, right? If you take courage as a virtue, if you have too much courage, you're rash. I think this is an Aristotle concept, right? Mm -hmm. But if you have too little courage, you're cowardly. So there's a balance in between there. We'll use you. If you want to have an amazing life today and have, you know, a, a great life tomorrow, there's a balance. Some people are so worried about today that they're YOLO. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. They don't care about those other Michaels or there's, you know, the future selves they are just all in it for today. And then there are people that are way the other direction. They're so worried about the future and so caught up in the present that they actually miss their life. And so just like with courage, there's a balance between those two things and that's the art. And there's some science too, of how do you create a great life? Yeah. That's what I think about all the time.
0: Yeah, me too. You're kind of blowing up this whole idea of retirement right now with this conversation. And I love how you're creating these people within that one person that I can talk to 70 year old Michael and ask that question. What would he want um, from his 43 year old self? That's such a helpful way to look at it. But when you think about retirement, it almost innately means when I stop working right in American culture, it's, How can I work hard enough to not have to work? And what you're saying is something completely different and more helpful, I think. You're looking at the potential ways that you could regret what you've done and addressing them right now and thinking through, how do I build a life that I won't regret? Yeah, build a
1: life that you don't necessarily want to retire from would be one way to say it, right? Mm -hmm. And there's some generational things here you know i primarily work with and talk to baby boomers for baby boomer generation the unwritten deal was you go to college you get a job you work really really hard and you save and you sacrifice and then when you retire you will be happy and you'll be traveling and footloose and fancy free so retirement This continuum of of growing was framed as hike up this big mountain, build your career, work weekends and nights, be available 24-7, save and invest, and then when you retire, you'll be happy. You'll have time freedom. And as a result, a lot of baby boomers, not all of them, they look back and say, I missed all those summers with my kids. My marriage fell apart and is gone potentially or broken or not what it could be. My friends, I don't have any because I've been traveling forever. And there's a lot of regret looking backwards saying, I don't even want to not work. I just wanted more time freedom to be more fully who I am. Hmm. And so that was the baby boomer deal. March up this mountain and then you'll be happy. Yeah, uh, but then there was a lot of carnage on the way of marching up that mountain. I think your generation, especially younger, um, my counsel as a 55 year old and thinking about this stuff for decades, would be to have more of a journey rather than a march. To have more life balance, realizing, like on my our podcast, which we've done for eight years, and I was telling you this before we started, we survey what you know what does retirement mean to you. And you know we'll get thousands of responses and it'll be things like, I just want control over my time. I want uh, the ability to pursue things I enjoy, yeah. things like that. It's not about the absence of work necessarily, but that's what we think of when we think of retirement. So if it's not about the absence of work, it's more about having time freedom to explore and be more fully yourself. How can you actually you know, construct a life to be able to do that? yeah I think that's how you get some of this balance,
0: yeah, you know all the the children of these baby boomers watched their parents struggle and work themselves like crazy for years, and a lot of people in my generation are saying, I don't have anything to do with that, in fact, I think in some ways, the pendulum has swung a little bit too far for some, where, maybe yeah, yeah you know, for some,
1: maybe. yeah,
0: you know, where young people are saying i I'm not going to get my driver's license. I'm not going to buy a house. Forget all that stuff that my parents chased. I'm going to jump on a cargo ship headed for Tanzania or whatever and just take pictures of myself on Instagram and make and just travel the world. And so there's, I think there's some issues that come up with that way of thinking as well. But yeah, like you said, balance. Doesn't necessarily mean remove work from your life completely. In fact, work might bring you a whole lot of joy if it's done in a healthy way. Oh, I think definitely, and and that's
1: you know, and and it depends on where you're at in your career and your life perspective, right? Um, into your forties, yes, save in your four hundred one k and do those things. But probably one of the best investments you can create, two of the best investments you can make. And this can be with money as well as time is your, your career capital, your skill, your skill and your marketability and your network. Hmm. Those are two by far the best investments you can make uh, outside of the financial realm that people don't really talk about. A really good book that I read, I just reread it in January uh, by Cal Newport called So Good They Can't Ignore You which talks about these things, about how to invest in your career in a healthy way to give yourself more options in the future, right? So if you think of like a 25-year-old, his argument would be, I'm just paraphrasing, I don't want to speak for him, of, hey, you just got to show up and be competent. You do whatever anybody else is going to do and just show up and start building your reputation being competent, And that by doing that and not expecting a promotion or you know the 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 quick ladder, you're building career capital that you can spend, say in your thirties or forties to structure how you want your life to be because you've built up this career capital that you can spend later on to perhaps give yourself more balance. that's well, a really good book I think that gives some structure in how to approach career in life.
0: I like that you're talking about. An investment that's non financial when really there's a financial return on it, right? You're investing in your own growth and your skills, and also in building a group of people that can help feed what you're doing to and expand what you're doing. That's a non financial investment, but at the same time, it leads to an enormous return in the end.
1: Well, it could, right? Because just like you can buy, you know, investing, you know, buying some stock your buddy talked about, not knowing anything about it, you could call that an investment, but could be a dumb investment, right? Not intentional investment might be a nicer way of saying it. Yeah. Well, you can do the same thing. I'm going to get this certification. I'm going to take these student loans to get this PhD. That's a, a, an easy way of spending money, calling it an investment, but if you were not intentional about, oh, how is this actually going to help me? Having some intentionality about the decision, it can still be stupid, I guess.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And that, that does uh, bring up the conversation of there's non-traditional ways to invest in yourself, right? There's the traditional secondary education, PhD, college, master's degrees, that sort of direction which in some cases would be a great investment, but you yourself have gone in some different directions to personally invest, and and I know I have too. And there's this whole other world where there's easily accessible, highly valuable content available to anyone that wants to really grow any skill that could add to their value long-term. Talk about how you look at growth and development of yourself.
1: I'm probably more organic than intentional. A lot of it began for me in my early forties. Maybe I was 43. <laughs> um, where for the longest time I was institutionalized. I was on that baby boomer career path that I just somehow institutionalized from my childhood. Yeah. And then I started to go to, I went to my first non-industry conference and it totally blew my mind. I was like, Wow, who are these people? Cuz I've been a financial planner my entire life. And so I spent years going to only non-industry events in pursuing non-industry opportunities whether it's individual coaching. I've never had I use individual coaching, but I've never had a coach from my industry. It's always mm-hmm. been other, you know, other businesses or verticals. And then I, you know, joined a mastermind group. That's how you and I met, via me, Dan Miller, and I was exposed to all these crazy people. And like, who are these? We're sitting in a room talking about our feelings as well as business. And I essentially recreated my entire structure and it was a journey, right? Yeah. So that all the opportunities are out there. I mean, I've had virtual mentors that have come and go in my life that were just podcasts, right? You know, Michael Hyatt was one. I don't. Dan Miller was one. Cal Newport is the only podcast I listen to right now. Mm. I don't really listen to podcasts now. I have my podcasts, and we have our community. Um, it just takes a little gumption and a little intentionality. But again, I'm not. I'm just meandering my way, but with my eyes open now.
0: Yeah, but I think that's an important perspective because I think most people feel that way because there's so many options and because there's so many potential directions you can go in, it often feels like, what am I doing? Like, am I heading in the right direction? But it sounds like in your meandering, you've you've grown with every direction you've taken. And maybe the, you haven't stayed with that direction you've pivoted, but it sounds like it was still extremely beneficial, even though you didn't have it perfectly charted.
1: Yes. Mainly because I've kept working the system, Hmm. meaning I've kept working at least with some level of intentionality because I'm a pretty impulsive guy. I'm an act first kind of person and I'll, I'll kill things or lean into them later on. From the outward, like if you went to my bio or on LinkedIn or on our website or whatever, And in my world, I look very accomplished like that. I want that dude has his act together. Yeah. Internally, it's just a mess. And it was a mess to get here. Right. (laughs) I've spent so much money on things that, man, if I, when I list them out, it's like, what was I thinking? Or I spent so much time on certain things. What an idiot that guy was (laughs) that younger Roger was, but in, Reality, though, they were stepping stones. I just couldn't see it at the time, either because I like touched the stove and it burned. So I learned that lesson, or there was some little wrinkle that I learned that helped me later on. And I just didn't realize I needed it. So it's that basically that growth mindset. So I'm a big fan of uh, a gentleman named Brian Johnson, and he talks about he brings in modern psychology and stoicism and things. And this goes to the point you're talking about, Michael. And I think it's a lot of your value proposition that you you are living it, is some people are goal-oriented. I want to hit this goal, whether it's income or whatever. Hmm. I'm not goal-oriented like that. I'm more regret minimalization oriented. Hmm. And and so if you think of the ideal, fully actualized Michael, yeah, at the end of life, you're gonna meet who you could have been. And you're going to see what the gap is between who you could have been and who you are. And you're going to be either, man, I gave that a pretty good run or it's going to be the worst conversation of your life. Right. And so today, today is the day to try to be the best version of yourself today. Cause that's the only way you're going to try to fill the gap. And that goes to that intentionality that means you're going to be intentional about how you are in your domain of love. You know, who is Michael in love? Love is obviously your wife and your children, but who are you in love and me, your buddy and the people listening to you, who, how are you going to show up as your best self to not just your wife, but to everybody in your life? That is something that we aspire to, but we rarely actually do. And I raised my hand as one who rarely actually did it, right? Yeah. And you talked about earlier, we talk about a lot of things. We don't do a lot of things a lot of times. Yeah. And I think that's the key. You want to have a structure to actually do things today, like this second.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Living in the, the moment. And I know oftentimes when I think about things that I want to do or changes I want to make, just thinking them in my head sometimes convinces me that I'm already doing them. Oh, it totally does. Just like right. buying a program,
1: you get all the be- you get all the psychological benefit of fixing yourself just by buying a course yeah. or buying a product, even if you never use it. Right. And that's what we got to avoid. I'm going to give you three good examples of how I try to dominate each day. Hmm. Uh, in love, this is my favorite one. Is I dominate the dishes, so I don't go to bed, that all the dishes being done and the kitchen being clean, and that is an act of love to my family. My wife's more the cook, and so when I go to bed, that's what I do. And I've had a couple instances where I have found myself not dominating the dishes. It's so like one was I was brushing my teeth, and I was thinking to myself because I just got done cleaning. there's like. You know, I did those dishes, but I didn't really dominate them. So I was like, I didn't dominate them. So I got done brushing my teeth. I went and dominated and fixed what I just sort of slacked off on. Gotcha. That's an you know one example of I want to be a great husband and show my spouse that I love them. Mm -hmm. That's a simple example of actually doing that.
0: Yeah. Right. And simple is key too, right? As soon as yeah, because you don't want to make it big. Yeah.
1: And then you want to celebrate. That's like me. I did that. So like in work, I you know one of my targets is I respond to a bid from a team member, right? I say I want to be a good boss and that I love on them in our weekly meetings. And when it's their anniversary working for me, I send them something nice. Those are nice things. But that's not how you express appreciation to someone. The way you express appreciation, this works for a spouse or your kids as well, is when they give you a bid, you respond and you don't ignore it. Hmm. Hey, Roger, I need this to get my job done. And they send me an email. That's a bid. I can ignore that bid. I can follow up the next day. But when I respond to a bid to make their life easier, that's showing that I'm a good boss. So it goes back down to that micro moment. And I think that's where we stop talking about being a great dad, being a great boss, being a great you know whatever we actually find some micro thing we can actually do each day. So we can say, this is who I am. And I represent who I am by exactly what I do.
0: Yeah, You have one more example?
1: Um, Energy. So I sit a lot and I stand a lot and everything else. So for energy, I have a number of examples there, but uh, one is I just started doing this. I do 30 burpees and 60 sit-ups a day. And I just, that's my baseline. That's who I am. So I just do them throughout the day. And then I check them off on a board and I celebrate Uh, because that's who I am. That's what I do. So I think you can make lots of little examples. Uh, A good book around making these kind of little micro changes, a book called Tiny Habits.
0: Yeah, I have it on my shelf.
1: Yeah. I think his example was he wanted to get fitter. And he said, every time I pee, I do a push-up. <laughs> right. right, that was his example. When I pee, yeah. I hopefully he you know goes out of the bathroom and cleans up. But he pees, he does one push up, and then he goes awesome. Yeah, it sounds silly when you see it, but that's the psychology of how these things work. Yeah, and if you do one push up, you're likely going to do more. But you make it so super simple that uh, you could fall over doing it.
0: Yeah, that works for me too because a lot of it is just in starting. Um, I know for me, if I'm standing up and I'm dressed, then I'll do what I want to do. And that's the biggest hurdle for me. So one of the things I ask myself every morning when I don't feel like working out, I'm not a morning person. I'm not one of these people that jumps up singing a song in the morning, but I know it's a difference maker. If, if I move in the morning, my whole day just feels better. I feel more energetic. So I ask myself this question do you want to be average or do you want to be great? And the answer is clear. I want to be great. And then the second question is, well, what does a great person do right now? And that makes it very simple. Like I don't have to overthink what I'm going to do. I want to be great and I want to do what a great person does. So I get out of bed and I put my shoes on and I go outside and I take a walk or run or whatever I need to do. So the simplicity in those moments is really helpful. And I love what you said. That's who I am. When you're describing what you do for your energy, that's who I am. I do 30 burpees and 60 sit-ups. That's Roger. So I am who I am. So I'm going to be who I am and see that through. So it's a, there's an identity piece to that too. Taking on that full identity as a person that is fit and active.
1: And some of that comes from tiny habits. We're throwing out you know books that we've integrated a lot of I have an identity in my energy yes. that I, I reaffirm every day. My identity in my energy domain is I am a fireball. Yeah. So what does a fireball do? Well, they do 30 burpees, right? In my, my, my work, I am a focused visionary. Mm. That's my identity. So I have to live into who, that, who I am. Now I fall down all the time. And so this all sounds nice and rah-rah and, oh, we got it all figured out. No, I'm I'm an idiot. I fall down all the time and that's okay. Yeah. Then I get back up and I try again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's where a lot of anxiety and frustration comes from is when your, your activities aren't in a line with who you want to be and who you know yourself to be. And so yeah, you can make mistakes there for sure and it's not going to go perfectly. But when you have a day when all that lines up, it just feels so right. It feels so good and you know, you, you're more creative, you're you're more efficient, you have you enjoy life more. Um, you're a better friend, you're better at having a conversation and really you enjoy life more. And so so some, yeah,
1: It's that intention of how do I notice when I am fully me and then take a flashlight and like, what did I do before to set myself up for that?
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Why was I that way? Another example for me where I've been reevaluating my relationship with alcohol and the flashlight for me has been, wow, when I have those two glasses of wine at night, I am not my best self when I'm early in the morning, when I do my best work. Mm. I know how I get out of bed. I'm a little bit groggy. I'm a little stuffy. When I don't have the wine, I get up easier. I'm more focused and I get things done. It's just taking a flashlight. What What am I like when I'm at my best? Well, I should do more of that. What What am I doing when I fall down a lot? Well, maybe I should do less of that mm. and sort of being an investigator of of your life so you can figure this out. Just do more of what's working and less of what's not. <laughs> right? Sounds so yeah. easy.
0: No, but it is a shift in perspective because you're not thinking about what the world as a whole is telling you is a good life. You're examining what it is for you personally. Because most would say, "Oh, have a couple glasses of wine. What's the big deal, Roger?" And maybe it isn't a big deal unless it's getting in the way of you being the best version of yourself.
1: Right. It's not like I don't drink wine. I just choose what I do. So how does this relate to retirement planning?
0: It does. (laughs) Good question. You can take the interview from here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I I wanted to make sure we, you know, think about the future and because we could talk about this all day. All these little things we're talking about, they're not, they're not trite. These aren't just soundbitey things. These Mm. are for me, very serious things that I work at very intentionally. Because I was a screw up the first half of my life. In my 20s, I made more money than I should have, blew it all. I thought I was all that. And to this day, my wife hates BMWs because I owned one. And she looks at a BMW and she says, that's that reminds her of who Roger was at that period of life. I was a jerk. And then in my 30s, I was mad about being a jerk. I wasn't the best husband. And I was trying to fix as much as I could but still floundering. 55-year-old Roger looks back at 25-year-old Roger and 35-year-old Roger and "Uh, he's not that big a fan. Hmm. And so for me, I'm very motivated because I, in my mid-40s, early 40s, felt like I've opened it up. And now from a saving standpoint, business standpoint, I've been rebuilding and fixing all the mess. And so when I was in my early 40s, Financially and otherwise, I was like, I got a lot of work to do, hmm. right? And I think from all of us have some version of that in some area of our life. And I think the key here, and this is why we use an agile approach is when you look at whether it's fixing your retirement savings and your financials, or whether it's fixing marriage or your career, it can look monumental, impossible to do. Because you're looking at the entire thing. Yeah. And in reality, you might not be able to fix it. Hmm. Right. You might do everything right from here on out, but it might be too far gone. Yeah. But you have some choices there, right? You can turtle, you can just ignore, and you're you're going to have that inner conflict and, and shame potentially, or you can YOLO it and say, well, I'm screwed. I'm just going to go out with a blaze of glory, I guess. Right. And this could be your physical health too. It doesn't really matter yeah, whether it's financials or other things, or let me assess where I'm at today. What can I do now? Mm -hmm. Right. So you, I am, especially if you're younger, I'm not a huge fan of really long-term retirement planning financially, or even career planning. You want to directionally get correct, but I mean, what is Michael supposed to, you know, forecast of his goals at 60? He has no clue. Yeah. Right. You can just sort of make one up because the calculator is asking you to, or a planner is asking you to, but you don't know. Mm -hmm. So I'm much bigger fan of where directionally do I want to be in the next five years? Yeah. Right. That is as long term as I like to think. You may do some forecasting longer term, but then you want to come back down to where where do i want to be in the next year and then what poke around for risks and opportunities and then but you have to come back and this is an agile process you have to come back and this is what we do in every single meeting with a client what do i want to do now until our next meeting what sprint do we want to take and we want to do one or two things that will move the ball forward between now and the next meeting we'll call that 90 days And we'll call that a sprint. And the key with that sprint, whatever it is we choose, we want to be careful about it because our job is just to, we have to fully be able to complete that without the world influencing it. And we want to make sure it's a big lever. So we have lots of things we can do. And the problem is there are a lot of things that we know we we want to do, a lot of ideas, but we don't have capacity to do them all. Right. Right. And it's very easy, financially, especially, to focus on levers that are bright and shiny. Maybe I should buy Bitcoin, or crypto. Yeah. that are bright and shiny, rather than focus on a dull-looking lever that actually is a much better fulcrum to have a change in your life. Mm. And so what we risk doing is focusing on the small things and ignoring the huge things just because they're not as pretty and they're not as exciting. And so when we pick these things that we want to work on in these little incremental ways, it could be health, it could be finances. We want to pick the things that could have the biggest impact going forward. And that's usually where we screw up because the world is designed to show us bling.
0: Isn't it? Yeah. I think what I'm hearing from you is that When we've screwed up financially, we're looking for a way to catch up. And often that points us in the direction of, oh, who's made a ton of money in a very short period of time? I better jump on that opportunity. And then we start jumping from opportunity to opportunity instead of looking at what we have right in front of us that we could begin to make progress on that isn't a flash in the pan or a huge risk to dive into. It's hard because you want to catch up quickly
1: because it's like if your pants are down, you want to pull them back up really fast, yeah, right. But but maybe you have to be a little bit slower so you don't fall over the cliff,
0: uh, which might
1: expose yourself for a little bit more. I've never thought of that great analogy. analogy before, but but the, the yeah the I got to double up the catch up, right? And we end up repeating the, a lot of the same things that got us into the situation that we're in. So we want to avoid that, and it's about very thoughtful decision making done in a consistent way. Mm. and that's what we do in retirement planning. but you could apply that structure, that agile structure to building software to working on your health, to working on your marriage, all sorts of things. It's an organized way of decision making rather than you know getting you know shod by what's happening in the world or in our minds mm
0: wise, wise words. And, and I'm learning a lot right now through gardening, because you cannot force something to grow. (laughs) Um, That's going to yield a plentiful harvest. You can't get out there and triple up the water and stuff (laughs) it with, you know, with extra fertilizer and force it to grow fast. It's, you might make a slight difference, but it's in that daily commitment and consistency that allowed me to go outside and pick a pepper yesterday to put in my salad. So, I mean, it's been so helpful to learn like about business through gardening. It just kind of drives home those principles that are so important.
1: I heard that. I actually read something about that just the other day to use the same point you just made and they called it horticultural time. And that applies to everything. You can't put your seed in the ground and just start a stopwatch. Yeah. Yeah. Then work that way.
0: Yeah. So there's patience and there's consistency and there's sometimes choosing the unsexy, non-shiny activity that's going to make the biggest difference long-term. Well, I have one
1: concept that I learned this year that I think is important. And that is, you know, we know this word hope, right? You need three things for hope. If you don't have all three of these things, you're hopeless. First, you need an inspiring vision for a a better future for yourself, right? And that could be in general, that could be in finances, that could be in your health or your marriage. You need an inspiring vision of a better self in whatever domain we're talking. Two, so if you have that, that's just a wish, Right. Two, you need to have agency, right? You need to have some belief that you have some control and power to go act to create that, but that's still not enough. Because if you have an inspiring goal and you have agency, but you don't know how to apply it, you're just going to go all over the place and just, and not really be organized. Lastly, you need to have pathways. Hmm. You need to have pathways. It could be multiple pathways to accomplish the goal that you can use to apply your agency to that are leading you to the inspiring goal. If you don't have all three of those, you don't have hope. And I think that's basically a great planning structure for your business, your marriage, your retirement. I go back to that often once I learned that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a great mixture of reality and inspiration too. Because oftentimes you think there's only, well, you're either inspired or you're not because you got to do the work and the drudgery of it. But no, it's all those things, right? There's commitment and consistency along with inspiration and vision and things that are really driving that emotional side of you too. So I love, love how you laid that out. Um, I got to talk about this, Roger. Several years ago, randomly, I open up my mail. I open up this big box that I got in the mail and you know what I pulled out of that box? I do because I (laughs) sent it to you, but I didn't tell you what I was going to talk about. Anyway, Roger sent me this hockey stick, which I think really illustrates this point. And as you look at the shaft of the hockey stick, it's very level, right? Very level for a long period of time. And you told me that that's what it's going to feel like in your business. The first several years, it's going to feel like you're not going anywhere. And then all of a sudden, you're going to hit that blade of the hockey stick and it's going to go upward and you'll, you'll find your groove and you'll start to get that, um, get in sync and figuring out where your direction is and your vision will start to come into view. And I have to thank you for sending that and illustrating that point because it's been on my mind consistently throughout running my business. And I'm at that point where I'm on the blade of that hockey stick. And uh, I'm glad I stuck with it because there's many times that I just wanted to say, "No, know, this isn't working. This is too hard. It's not happening for me. Maybe I should go get a job. And that idea that you shared with me kept popping up in my mind. No, it's going to be straight for a while. You got to consistently invest and stay the course. And so I have to thank you for that, Roger. I'm so
1: glad the hockey stick was facing up rather
0: than the It'd be a whole different story.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no yeah, doubt. Man, it is true. It is true. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much, Roger, for for joining us. And the conversation has been rich and valuable. And there's a lot of notes that I'm taking while, you're, um, while we're having this discussion right now. But uh, what's something you'd like to leave us with today to end the conversation? I would like to challenge
1: whoever's listening, email Michael and tell him what you're going to do today.
0: Today is the day. Huzzah! Huzzah! (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, sir. And go to rogerwhitney.com. Check out what Roger is up to. He also has an email that goes out every Saturday called Six Shot Saturday with very helpful bullet points to give you some direction and help you think about your financial future and your finances in general, and in life too. As you can tell, Roger talks a lot more about the whole picture of life, not just your finances. And he also has an awesome community called the Rock Retirement Club. And if you want to consistently get better with your knowledge and understanding of finances in general, there's an incredible community there of really smart people. We have a mutual friend, Mark Ross, that is a part of that community and several others we know that are in there. And they have nothing but great things to say about how that has positively impacted their financial future. So where can they find more about the club, Roger? Um,
1: rockretirementclub.com. Uh, and then the podcast is the best way to
0: get to know us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Roger. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate you, man. Everybody, be well. Boom, another solid episode in the books. Wow, packed with nuggets, not just for your financial future, but for your life, for how you live your day to day. Just a reminder, some of the books that were mentioned, Cal Newport's book, How to Be So Good They Can't Ignore You, and also Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg, which also is a TED Talk. Another important takeaway is the two most important investments you can make in your financial future. Number one is in your career capital, your skills and abilities, those things that make you more marketable in your career. And number two, your network the folks that you are going to be connected to and learning from and growing alongside. Remember, you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Choose wisely and expand your network. Reach out and get to know some people who are doing different things than you, who will expand your thinking and push you to greater levels of success. As always, I encourage you, take action on what you learned today if there's something that really resonated with you and inspired you to take some steps in your own life and to live your life differently to be more intentional put that into action if necessary write it down make a plan and live it out today is the day well thank you for listening to the business of living podcast I hope you found this as valuable as I have. Let's continue to grow together as we get to the business of living. Have a good one. See you next week.